On December 7th, 2021, the U.S. Surgeon General's Office released a report called Protecting Youth Mental Health, focused on how to support youth through the mental health crisis they're facing. Of the 53 pages, the report spent only three pages setting up the cause for concern. Teens were already facing increasing mental health challenges, and this pandemic has made them worse. For many who struggle with mental illness, the daylight hour is the hardest, and there's a longing for the night as it can be the only time our minds shut off and some type of relief is had. I'm your host, JD, and I believe in the healing power of telling your story and sharing it with the world, as well as educating others to be more conscious of those around them. Sit back, grab a cup of coffee. This is Dark Days, Bright Nights. Bright Nights is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Everyone has emotional challenges. No one needs to suffer alone. And without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. In today's society, solutions are available to more people than ever. And now, you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to get help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. And as a special offer to Dark Days, Bright Nights listeners, you get 10% off your first month a professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash veritas. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash veritas. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. As a mental health expert, former middle school educator, and a father, I was grateful to see the bulk of the report focused on how teens and those that care about their well-being can take actionable steps to help teens out of the mental health crisis they are currently facing. Throughout this episode, you're going to hear from two incredible young women, Tria and Julia of the Id, Ego, and Us podcast, to help us better understand the experiences of young people facing mental health challenges 
as they transition from adolescence to adulthood. It's a time when they're flooded with advice from parents, from teachers, from the speakers at their high school graduation ceremonies. An 18th birthday can mean many things. It's a formal step into adulthood. It's the newfound right to vote, get a tattoo if you want, join the armed forces, be called for jury duty. I know, super not exciting. It's also what some mental health providers know anecdotally as the cliff. The cutoff at which teens with mental health conditions are flung into adulthood, often without any preparation for the challenges to care ahead. Young adults are among the most at risk of major mental illness, but are among the least likely to get mental health care, which experts say is a huge pressing problem. Young people said no one prepared them for the often complicated reality of navigating mental health care in adulthood. Things like finding a therapist, filling prescriptions, scheduling appointments, and shelling out those copays. The data lay bare those difficulties. This segment is going to be about our take on mental health as teenagers and our experiences. Uh, Shreya, would you like to start us off? Uh, Sure. So this is actually a collaboration with JD from the podcast Health Talks with JD. Um, This is our first ever collaboration, but still we're very excited. Um, So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is peer pressure that we face when either we're at school or we're hanging out with friends after school. Um, At this age, people tend to try out a lot of new things and it can it can prompt you to, you know, join the crowd to do all these new things, even though you necessarily don't want to or feel like it's right to. There is peer pressure around you to do certain things. And you, sometimes when you know that it's wrong, it can be stressful and you might even get cut off from like your friend group or like people might think that, uh, you know, like you're too cautious or something. And that can create a lot of stress for you if you're not able to blend in with your friend group, because who would who would want that to happen, you know? So that is very important because I face peer pressure and I'm pretty sure everyone has. It wasn't really like serious, but like it it, it, it was pretty subtle. But still, even in the most subtle ways, you can still feel pressured to even it can be the smallest thing, like changing the way you do your hair or Uh, changing the way you dress or changing like your attitude when you're talking to people, even those small things, just because someone else is doing it and you want to fit in, you might just uh, adopt those attitudes or ideas and you kind of lose yourself in the process. And I I feel like that's so scary because uh, this is the age, like the teenage age. This is when we're developing and finding our personalities and figuring out who we are. And if we're constantly getting influenced by other people, then at the end, you're not really yourself. You're just like a blend of everyone that you know, and that's incredibly harmful for you. Um, So Julia, do you have anything to say about peer pressure? 
I agree completely. I think it's it becomes very difficult for us to acknowledge that the people that we're hanging out with and the people who we talk to every day, even though we might love them for who they are and they might have, quote unquote, fun with them, they might not be the best influence for you. And to be like them might not be beneficial. And you need to it's difficult to take a step back and look at things from, say, a health point of view in that are these people having a negative effect on my life, regardless of whether or not I admire them, what are they bringing to my life? And if it's not beneficial, how do I step away from that? Young adults ages 18 to 25, for example, are more likely than any other adult age group to have a report having major depression in the past year, but the least likely to have received treatment. In 2018, just under half of 18 to 25-year-olds with major depression said they got treatment for their condition. Just under half. There have been only a smattering of studies dedicated to looking at the transition from youth mental health care to adult psychiatry. Some have found a precipitous decline, so they say, in care after teens turn 18. Others suggest that while treatment rates decline in transition-age youth, those changes aren't concentrated right around a teen's 18th birthday. Many of the most robust studies are based on long-outdated data. Nonetheless, mental health providers say it's clear from their practice that low rates of mental health care after teens transition to adulthood presents a significant problem. Social media gets blamed for many of America's ills, including the polarization of our politics and the erosion of truth itself. But proving that harms have occurred to all of society is hard. It's far easier to show the damage to a specific class of people, more specifically, adolescent girls whose rates of depression, anxiety, and self-injury surged in the early 2000s as social media platforms proliferated and expanded. It was much more so than for boys. Adolescence typically heightens girls' self-consciousness about their changing body and amplifies insecurities about where they fit in in their social network. Social media, particularly Instagram, which displaces other forms of interaction among teens, puts the size of their friend group on public display and subjects their physical appearance to the hard metrics of likes, comments, counts. It takes the worst parts of middle school and glossy women's magazines and intensifies them tenfold. When girls started spending hours each day on Instagram, they lost many of the benefits of play. Boys lost less and may have even gained when they took up multiplayer fantasy games especially those that put them into teams. We all know it as adults, but put it into perspective, the wrong photo can lead to school-wide or even national infamy, cyberbullying from strangers, and a permanent scarlet letter. Performative social media also puts girls into a trap. Those who choose not to play the game are cut off from their classmates. Instagram, and more recently, TikTok, have become wired into the way teens interact much as the telephone became essential to past generations. Social media platforms were not initially designed for children, 
children have nevertheless been the subject of a gigantic national experiment testing the effects of these platforms. Without a proper control group, we can't be certain that the experiment has been a catastrophic failure, but it probably has been. Until someone comes up with a more plausible explanation for what has happened to Generation Z girls, the most prudent course of action for regulators, legislators, and parents is to take steps to mitigate the harm. Um, so we also wanted to talk about social media and its expectations. Um, I think Shreya was going to outline the cons of social media. Um, but before we go into that, I wanted to sort of um, outline just why why teenagers are so inclined to towards social media. I think that a lot of teenagers are also um, inclined to defend social media because of how much time most of us spend on it. Uh, social media is manipulative in that manipulative and that it poses as a social outlet when in fact it doesn't require any personal interaction and anyone can become an entirely new person um as well as that it seems to pose as some sort of home or comfort comfort inducing place um because it might be the only place where you can find people who share the same interests as you so all those things brought together you go on social media and you say okay this is a place for me to be who i really am but not everyone is being who they really are, and it can be a really dangerous place. Um, but you're so clouded by these other thoughts. Uh, Shreya, did you want to say any more about social media? Um, I definitely do agree that in a lot of ways, social media is such a great thing. But anything, if you use it too much, can become unhealthy. Um, so do you want me to start the cons or do you have anything you want me? Okay. So now we're going to move on to the dark side of social media. So recently in my class, we talked about, uh, cybersecurity and like the overall influence of the internet on people. Uh, so talk, going back to the expectations of social media and how Julia was saying, you kind of. Uh, view social media as an outlet for your passion and what you uh, for your ideas but sometimes other people might not be uh, truthful about themselves because that it's just so easy to do that um, online so basically one of the things that we learned in that class was that when you make comparisons to yourself on uh when you make comparisons to yourself to other people on social media, you're really comparing yourself to something that's not real. Because on social media, people can post whatever they want. And usually they post the good parts about their life. So like, let's say, I guess, Instagram, for example, you know, we have all these celebrities posting amazing, like vacation pictures or like new clothes that they bought or something. And they just seem to be having the best life. Right. And that can be the same for like anyone else on social media, like all these influencers, quote unquote, influencers uh, might be posting things like, oh, I went here today. Oh, I'm hanging out with all my friends. Oh, I got this new Louis Vuitton bag. Right. But then like, do you really know what they're doing 24 seven? Or do you really only know what they posted? You know, so comparing yourself to people on social media is Honestly, it's so useless because you're comparing yourself, something that's real, to something fake on social media. For all we know, they could just be, like, posing. Who knows if that's actually them, right? 
who knows if they actually bought the bag or if they're just like borrowing it from a friend, you know? So that was one of the things that we learned. Another thing that we learned was about not social media itself, but using your phone in general. So I admit when I'm doing my work, I constantly check my phone. I'm like, do is someone texting me? Uh, did uh, this assignment get posted or did this assignment get graded? Or, oh, did someone send me a message? You know, things like that. Uh, and you constantly check for those notifications. And I'm sure Julia does this too. And that constant need of attention, you know, that you constantly keep checking your phone, you want that notification. And apparently, I forget the exact number. But when you get a notification on your phone, whether it be from social media or anywhere else, um, you get a huge burst of dopamine, almost as much as you get from doing drugs. And there are certain like drugs or alcohol, and you have a certain age where you can drink alcohol, but, and that's 18, I think, or 20. I don't, I have no idea, but I know it's like far away. Um, Doesn't matter because that's not what we're talking about, but there's a certain age where we say, okay, now at this age, they will be able to control themselves with these substances, but social media, having social media, the age like threshold, I think is so low it's unbelievable. We just give this addictive device where the child can access anything, anywhere, and we just give it to these children at such a young age. And now we're like seeing what impacts it has on them. And it's so sad, honestly, um, that this is what it has come to. And partially, we do need to educate everyone about social media every like child about social media and how they should handle what they're putting on there because you know uh, fast forward to the future if you're applying for college or a job these people can the recruiters can go through your social media and if there's something inappropriate or something that doesn't go well um that's an automatic rejection so it we have to be really really uh, cautious about what we're saying, what we're posting on social media. And honestly, to me, it's scary. I'm not allowed to have a lot of social media. Like, I don't have Snapchat or anything. So, like, I can't really say how it's affected me because I am pretty much just, like, unfamiliar with the whole thing. But I think Julia can elaborate a little bit more on that aspect. Um. Thank you. Um. I agree with everything you said. I think a lot of the time it's hard to consider, although it 100% is hard to consider things like Snapchat as social media when it definitely is. But because when you're in the app, it just seems like another version of messages. But it's a lot easier to meet people that you don't know and to set up your persona as someone that you're really not on things like snapchat because although it is basically meant for you to text people and there's also things like stories that where you post on your story and you post pictures or whatever um i personally prefer snapchat to things like instagram and twitter just because there are I I personally am more authentic on Snapchat than I am on other platforms. But again, I have Instagram. I don't use it. Um, I don't post anything. I just follow my friends. I have Twitter. I don't use it. Mostly I have it so I can check up on the 
um, our Twitter for the podcast from the other side. Um, so really the only social media that I use um, on a day-to-day basis is Snapchat. Um, but there are options such as private stories. And I have on my private story all my closest friends. And so when I post something on there, a lot of them I don't see every day. And so I post just things that I do throughout the day. And it's sort of a way of staying connected to them. So it can seem like, I don't know, there are definitely are positives to it. And we're not here to say that social media is completely negative and we need to eradicate it. It's just that if you're not using it correctly, you can set up you can set yourself up for failure. Um, and so one last note on social media, I was thinking about it as she was speaking. I think that there's a correct way and an incorrect way to use social media. And the correct way is for you to use social media and not to let social media use you. Uh, for example, this podcast, this is us using social media to get out what we need to say to uh, make connections, but to go on Instagram and to see an influencer and allow what they do in their day-to-day life create your persona is completely incorrect. It's surprisingly difficult to measure the exact effect that turning 18 can have on mental health care. But there are several large, well-respected federal research studies and insurance claims databases that look at mental health care in the U.S. Nearly all of them break up adolescent data and adult data, often splitting the two groups right at the age of 18. Those that do include both age groups, such as the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, tend to ask children and adults different questions, making it difficult to compare how mental health conditions and care change as young people pass the cutoff into adulthood. There's also relatively little research tracking the specifics of how young people access mental health care, how they pay for it, they changes over time as they enter into adulthood. In reality, we should be looking at this as a society. Challenges approach us every day in life. As teenagers, we often face challenges that revolve around relationships, sports, peer pressure, bullying, obesity, school stressors, the list goes on. It is important to remember that these challenges do not mean the world is ending. In fact, Most of our challenges are temporary, and with a little bit of work, we can overcome our difficulties. When we come back, I'm going to take a look at 10 things every teen should know when dealing with mental health, as well as continue the conversation with Shreya and Julia. See you in a bit. Dark Days, Bright Nights is sponsored by Casper. Let's face it, we all love sleep. The problem, though, is that we either avoid sleep because we think there's something we'll miss if we go to bed, or, in my case, you've got a toddler who hasn't quite figured out what it means to sleep. In any case, having the right mattress can greatly improve our quality of sleep and makes going to bed actually enjoyable and something we're looking forward to. That's why For the past five years, we've enjoyed our Casper mattress and the quality night's sleep we get from being on their mattress. Casper started by creating an outrageously comfortable mattress and shipping it to your door in seriously the smallest box I've ever seen. Now, over one million sleepers later, their mission has only grown. And right now, 
Listeners of Dark Days, Bright Nights can save 20% off of Casper's best-selling mattress bundle. That's a mattress, foundation, and mattress protector by clicking the link in the show notes. Great sleep changes everything. It makes us friendlier, faster, smarter, even warmer and fuzzier. Save 20% off of Casper's best-selling mattress bundle. That's a mattress, foundation, and mattress protector by clicking the link in the show notes. If we all got great sleep, the world would be brighter. Dark Days, Bright Nights is sponsored by HelloFresh. If you're like me, cooking can become a hassle, despite knowing that it's way better than eating out all the time. Finding the time to cook, let alone what to cook, adds to that stress and can make anyone give up and order another pizza. That's why my wife and I love getting our meals delivered to us from HelloFresh. HelloFresh offers chef-created recipes that are tested 200 times to ensure your meals are as delicious to eat as they are easy to make. Each meal kit comes with step-by-step recipes to accommodate every appetite, household size, and schedule. And if you're like us and have a toddler, or just plain old have a picky eater, you can tell them what you like and don't like, and they'll recommend something super delicious. Right now, listeners of Dark Days, Bright Nights get 16 free meals by heading to the link in the show notes. That's like a whole week's worth of food ready for you. Take back your evenings with fewer trips to the store, pre-planned meals, and little cleanup. Head to the link in the show notes to get your 16 free meals from HelloFresh and start feeling the benefits, both physically and mentally, of cooking food for yourself and your loved ones. So now we'll be getting into uh, exercise and how that can uh, sort of affect our mental health as teenagers. Um, I know Shreya has a part to say, but before we get into that... I think that balancing staying in shape with other responsibilities is stressful at any age, um, especially when healthy for you can look completely different than healthy for other people and the depiction of health society seeks. Um, I personally used to have some genetic health issues, um, and my doctor's advice was to begin exercising. And at the time, I think that took a toll on my perception of myself because I was perfectly healthy otherwise, and all that was holding the only thing that was affecting me was this one factor that I had nothing to do with, um, or at least I hadn't imposed it on myself by eating unhealthily, but I had to change how I ate, how I exercised, um, and I just couldn't bring myself to work out regularly without someone holding me to it, so I started running cross-country and track. Um, I used to run in middle school, but it had been a very long time, um, and now it's something I can just throw myself into when everything else is stressful, but obviously running for three hours a day six days a week is comes with its own stress um I think because now I have a lot less time to do homework a lot less time to sleep Uh, we'll talk about it later but now like I get home so late that there's no time to get a good amount of sleep while also doing my homework um because I wake up at 5 20 a.m because my bus I live kind of far away from the school and but we'll get into that later um because obviously being a part of a team comes with responsibilities um which come with their own stress, like on meet days and days close to meets. Um, Even thinking about the race will make my heart start beating three times faster. So you kind of have to trade out being healthy with, it's just a hard thing to balance is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, Shreya, what's your take on this? Uh, Exercise is a very sensitive topic to me because ever since I was young I always considered myself chubby and I don't necessarily think that it's my fault 
because I, I've always like eaten healthily. Like I, I don't eat junk food a lot. Like I usually have a good breakfast and then like a medium lunch and then a very light dinner. That's literally, that's what I've done my entire life. But I still like, I just never exercised as a child. Um, but like the past few years, I did start like working out every day and like running, like Julia said, except I don't run cross country because that's terrifying. Um, so, and I also play a spring sport. So I don't know the stress of, you know, having the practice every day after school and, uh, you know, not having enough time to do stuff. But I still don't get enough sleep, which is sad, which, again, we'll get into later. Um, so basically, exercise and mental health, right? It can be really stressful if you're, when society tells you that, you, oh, you have to exercise, you have to stay in shape, but you just can't find the time or the motivation to do so. And again, that creates so much stress. And then again, going back to the comparisons, like Julia said, your version of healthy might not be the same as someone else's version of healthy. I've experienced this myself. I'd be like, I'm exercising. Why do I still not look like so-and-so person? You know, like it's it's horrible to feel that way. Uh, Julia, would you like to move on to the next topic now? I would. I've been thinking about this since I started talking about the sleep thing. Now there's a bunch of things rolling around in my head and I want to say them before I forget them. Um, I think that at a certain point, sleep became, um, I'll get, if I get to it, I'll get to it. But that is the one thing that I can, that is the thing that I can remove from my schedule uh, without it facing a toll on everything that I have to do. And you don't realize that not getting enough sleep is going to have an effect on everything else you do. But like, so even before I started running, I would, because I run now, I don't do as many clubs as I used to, but I'm still in at least seven clubs right now. And I'm running and we're going to school and Shrey and I are both taking AP classes. So we have AP class work um, and all these clubs and other activities that we do come with community service hours that we need to do and community service hours that we do outside of those clubs. And then there's familial responsibilities. Like I have to go to church every weekend and I have church group um, before the weekends and so there's just there's so much in our schedules and so much that we have to get done that when it comes to the end of the day you're like well I can just do this right now and I don't need to sleep I can I can I'll sleep later I'll get my four hours of sleep later and it, it's odd because I don't know when it be when that change happened because I know in elementary school it was I'm asleep by 8 p.m every single day and then middle school came and it was sort of 9 p.m every single day and around the eighth grade it was 10 p.m every single day and then I think last year because our freshman year was during the pandemic it just sort of was like we're at home but like I don't need to go to sleep to wake up and like join a zoom for 30 minutes 40 minutes and then hang up and go back to sleep and it just sort of became like I don't need to sleep and so now I go to sleep whenever I have the time to, 11, 12, sometimes 1 a.m. just because of homework. And I wake up at 5.20, like I said, because I live far away from the school. And it's just kind of, I don't know, I've yet to fall asleep in class. <laughs> but I feel like it's going to happen just because of how little sleep that I'm getting. Uh, Shreya? Hey, so before I say anything, I'm going to start off with a statistic. According to the health app on my phone, my average time in bed is five hours and 19 minutes. 
that is so bad. We're supposed to get at least seven hours or eight hours of sleep. And the reason why, friends, is because throughout the day, your brain collects all this information and it stores all this information in short-term memory. And when you fall asleep, it puts all these uh, memories or information into long-term memory. And so if you don't sleep enough, then you end up forgetting a bunch of stuff and that is bad. So me not getting enough sleep is comparable to Julia not getting enough sleep. And basically for the same reasons, there just aren't enough hours in the day to get everything done. There just, there just isn't. We, we need more time. And it, as bad as it is, sleep is the last thing on my list. You know, like it's the last priority. Like, like Julia said, in elementary school, I used to come home. I used to do like what? the 20 minutes of work they gave us and then you know play for a bit we watch tv hang out with my family and then fall asleep pretty early and then for me the not sleeping early started around sixth grade actually because I at this point I was like oh I'm in middle school this is like right before high school and then I put in 110% effort into everything I did. And I was at this point, I was doing a bunch of clubs and sports after school. I used to do ballroom dancing and racquetball and swim. And then I also do vocal lessons, which I've been doing since I was like three years old. Um, so I had all these things going on all at the same time with the increased amount of workload Okay, it's an increased workload. What is the increased amount of anyways? Increased workload that started in middle school. And I I still slept relatively early. At least I still had a sleep schedule in middle school. Now it just doesn't exist. Like starting last year, during COVID, like a schedule had no meaning. There was no schedule. Like it was just you. You do whatever you want because you're at home all the time. You don't need to get ready at a set time. You don't need to take a shower at a set time. You don't need to leave the house at a set time. So it was all like very unbalanced and un, like unplanned. And that I, not thinking back about it, I'm like, oh my God, that's disgusting. Because I was just like so like lazy all the time. And it's disgusting to think about that. I am, ugh, ew. Anyways. So now uh, we're back in in-person school. Yay, I guess. I, I enjoyed it for the first few weeks, but now it's exhausting. Um, I do love school. I'm like that kid that enjoys school and I genuinely like l- enjoy learning. Um, even, even if I really like school, I still don't like going to school because one uh now we're back to the rigid schedule and it took a lot of time to adapt to that adapt back to it and I don't think I still don't think I'm completely adapted but uh it is what it is and talking about the clubs I'm in a lot of clubs I'm taking AP classes and I still have the sports I play tennis uh like with my friends and like practice. I still take lessons. Um, I still have the vocal classes. I 
there's a lot going and the podcast how could I forget about the podcast um honestly the podcast is something that I enjoy doing so I can't really complain about it because this is something that I enjoy because I get to this is I'm I enjoy like having the microphone set up and then editing afterwards and you know this is something that me and Julia we can talk about things that we're passionate about and then share it with the world so I I like it and uh by the time I come home from school and finish all my other activities then I have homework and there is so much homework and uh, today I learned I so my cousin's uh, parents we were talking about this and they're like have like a you have a to-do list right I use Microsoft to do to keep track of everything that I need to do and they said that I don't need to give 100% into everything and that I could like have like the top five things that I need to give 100% I need to get it perfect and then the other ones I can give like 80% effort into it so that way I get everything done faster and like basically cut corners where you can is the best advice ever. So all of that considered, I still don't get enough sleep. Five hours and 20 minutes is not enough sleep. And why does this relate to stress? Because the less you sleep, the less focused you are, the more tired you are, and more likely you're going to fall asleep in class. And you, it's horrible to be tired all the time. Like, it's one thing to be sleepy, and it's one thing to be tired. And the combination of both, because mentally tired from having to do so much work, and physically tired because you haven't slept, it, it's a horrible combination. Uh, we were actually talking about burnout the other day for um, for uh, the Health Talks with JD podcast, and this is what we were talking about. We just have so much to do and not enough time to do it. So, Julie, do you have anything else to say about not getting enough sleep? No, that's all that I have on sleep. Um, I believe you were going to talk about frontal cortex development. Over the past few years, I've found there are 10 main things that every teen should know about dealing with a mental health issue. These tips are split up into two parts applying to teens who are struggling with mental health maintenance, as well as teens who know somebody who is struggling with their mental health maintenance. To begin, let's look at the five pieces that teens who are struggling with a mental health issue should focus on. Number one, asking for help when dealing with a mental health issue is a sign of strength. It takes so much effort and bravery to step forward and admit that you may not be able to handle your challenges all on your own. There is absolutely nothing wrong with asking someone for help. Sometimes, teens, as well as adults, are afraid to speak up. You might think you're bothering others or becoming a burden for others. You feel that people will think you're weak because you cannot do everything by yourselves. But look, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Number two, living a healthy lifestyle helps keep your mind balanced. During the teenage years, Things are constantly changing, and you are constantly developing. You're growing, becoming more independent. It's your responsibility to make sure you're making healthy choices. Number three, remember, you have power. Saying things like, I have control over my life. I'm smart. I'm unique. I have a purpose. 
Telling yourself these affirmations every day is the best reminder that you have power. We all possess incredibly positive qualities. They should never be overlooked. They should be constant reminders that you can overcome and that positive outcomes are possible. Number four, there are tons of different coping skills for managing mental health. Mental health issues are manageable, not necessarily always curable, but manageable. And sometimes that's the best thing ever. There are so many avenues that can be taken to find out how to manage your mental health. Identifying your best coping skills makes the biggest difference. Number five, surrounding yourself with people that are healthy for you makes the recovery process smoother. Things like bullying and unhealthy relationships make it much harder to deal with a mental health issue. Teens who know someone who are dealing with a mental issue is the next set of pointers. Five, to be exact. Number one, teens struggling with mental health issues are often misunderstood by peers. Provide yourself with a better understanding of mental health in general. Listen to podcasts such as this one and do your homework. Really take a look at the conversations, the articles, the news, even your friend group. The more you know, the less you judge. Our ignorance should not be the reason that prevents us from understanding a peer. Number two, which is my favorite, spreading awareness reduces stigma. Stigma surrounds the teenage world. In order to erase the stigma, we need to increase the awareness. One way to do this is by starting or joining a mental health club or your school campus. There are mental health clubs such as NAMI on campus that have been created already. Joining a club of that nature or starting your own is a great step forward in reducing the stigma that surrounds mental health and changing the conversation for the better. Number three, your friend may be feeling emotions that prevent them from talking to you. Handle your friend with care. They may need space, but be sure to let them know that you are there for them. Give your genuine love and support to them. Try to include your friend in activities you're participating in, or at least invite them. The worst feeling is when you are treated like an outcast. Number four, Your support consistency really helps the person who is experiencing mental health issue. Consistent support gives the person a rock, a shoulder to lean on. Keeping an open mind allows you to see how your friend might be feeling. And lastly, number five, leading a positive life can be absolutely contagious. Dealing with a mental health issue can be overwhelming. Bringing positive vibes with you is a great way to boost your friend's mood. Positivity is a route to finding hope and seeing the light in every situation, or at the very least, the end of the tunnel. There's a need for more dedicated efforts, as well as increased awareness about the cliff itself. Mental health providers should be talking early and thoroughly with parents and teenagers and what about what the transition will look like. In reality, there shouldn't be a cliff. It should just be a bridge.
Oh yes, so going back to middle school, this was three, three years ago. Yes, three years ago. Um, my English teacher had us read an article about the brain and how our frontal cortex is still developing like when we're teenagers. And uh, we, we were talking about how because this like logical part of your brain is still developing, we're more likely to do uh, like we're more likely to have impulse actions and make bad decisions. And so I, I remember being so like terrified that, oh my God, am I going to do something stupid in the next few years? Am I going to completely mess up everything by having like an impulse decision? And uh, so that kind of ties in with our peer pressure thing that we talked about in the beginning. So there isn't much to say about it, but I just remember being stressed about that and, uh, this relates closely to our uh, our minds as teenagers and why we do the things that we do, you know? Uh, Julia, do you have anything to say about that or can we move on? I think we can move on to uh, social stress. Um, I feel like I've already addressed this, so if you have something to say, I think I'll just play off of that. Okay, uh, so this is about uh, the the way people find their own identities by the time we get to like high school and like at least like halfway into high school, I guess people figure out what they like and who they are as a person. And sometimes this can lead to like friendships being broken. You know, uh, one thing is like political affiliation. You know, I, it hasn't happened to me, but I remember one of my friends being affected by this because uh, she, she was talking about politics, which is always a bad thing to do in high school. Never do that or anywhere else. That's such a, that's not something that we should be talking about because it can create a lot of conflict. And, uh, apparently she lost a lot of friends because of her like political standing. And I felt so bad because the political thing doesn't even like apply to us yet. Cause we're not even like old enough to vote yet. And she lost friends because of that. And that's what I'm talking about when I say social stress. It's how you grow apart from your friends over time because you develop these different personalities. And sometimes that might not blend in well with the other person. So then you kind of just grow apart. And this can be horrible because this person literally might be your best friend since like what? Kindergarten. And because of that one thing that you guys disagree about. And this is something that is uh, like that that's a key element in your personality, you guys can just not be friends anymore, even though you were really, really close friends for a lot of time. Uh, So that, I think, is another thing that could cause a lot of stress in teenagers. And this could affect how they're doing in other areas because having a social life is so, so important. And I'm so sad that I've learned this so late. Uh, I literally only learned this lesson a few years, a few months ago, not years, a few months ago, that you really need people your age, people that you see every day to talk to. You, I, I remember freshman year, I told my teacher that I was here not to make friends, but I was here to win. I literally said that. I said, I'm here to win, not to make friends. And thinking back, I just realized how wrong I was because it's so much more easier to do things and feel comfortable at school when you have people to talk to. And I I think that's just, I'm going to end it there.
Do you have anything to say, Julia? No? Okay. Uh, another thing, the last thing that I want to talk about is fun versus future. Again, this is back to our frontal cortex and peer pressure thing. In high school, we are told that these four years are the most important years. That's, at least that's what I was told. Because these four years determine your life, the rest of your life. What college you get into, what call, what job you'll have, and what kind of friends you have, you know? Because this is a time when you're figuring out your personality. I, I keep saying this, but, like, this is, this is important. You're figuring out who you are. You're figuring out what you want to major in. What are your interests? What are your passions? What are you going to do to get into that college you want to get into? Um, and then there's always, how am I going to get scholarships? How am I going to pay for college, you know? But at the same time, you also want to have fun. You know, you're, you're a teenager. This is, when you grow up, you're not going to be able to have as much fun as you can right now because you're going to have a job. You're going to have a family. And this is the time where you need to have fun. You need to hang out with your friend. And if balancing your fun, balancing your social life and your school life can be really, really stressful. How do I deal with this? Easy. I just don't hang out with people. I... I literally never leave the house. It's it's crazy. I barely leave the house. And when I do, it's for something important or something that I'm doing for my resume. And it's really, really bad. But I'm working on it. So that's good. Um, I think uh, sometimes I might come, come off as like too uptight because I care too much about the future. But I feel like I can be a really fun person. What do you think, Julia? Agreed. Um, I think I, I think I sort of disagree with what you said about, um, these four years being the most important. Um, hold on. Sorry. Um, I think you're right that that is something that we're told a lot of the time, but I don't think we should let that influence us too much because it's not too late ever to become a different person. It's not too late ever to change what you're doing with your life. I think as soon as you realize that you are not the person that you want to be and you're not in or you're not in the career that you want to be, you can go ahead and change that at any point in time. Um, But that we are told that this is the most important time of our life. And I don't think it's true. I think that it's a lot easier to choose what you want to do with your life if we're if we do it now, if we're the person we want to be now and if we know what we want to do now. But if we don't, it's okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, as per fun versus future, I think, yes, that's what we were on. I feel like I used to hang out with my, I honestly, I th- I used to hang out with my friends a lot more. And I think now I just talk to them, like texting, because none of us really have time to meet up with each other. None of us really have, or a lot of them don't have parents that are going to let them go out and hang out with people that often. Um especially with the pandemic like i'm not going to go to someone's house um that i like if it uh, i'm not going to be going over to a bunch of people's houses if there's a a worldwide pandemic going on so it's there's not really enough leniency in, in our lives right now to be hanging out with our friends and so a lot of our lives is just work and no play right now does that make sense true Yes, I do think that it is always uh, all work and no play 
But I guess that's just how it is. You know, I, I know I'm going to, I, after I graduate, I know I'm going to regret not taking the time to go out and experience things because, uh, you know, I thought about this a lot and, uh, you know, like for example, Christmas is coming up and it's great to get like a really expensive present or like a great, uh, like a thoughtful gift. But I feel like something that I'd want is an experience. Like, I, I'd want to like go go around the world with the with the person, you know. Like I would want to like travel to what's my favorite place again? Australia. Um, I'd want to go to Australia with my best friend and like go to the Sydney Opera House and uh, go on the beaches and swim at the beach. You know, like I'd rather want that experience than them getting me like a gift. Like, it's weird, but I just want to, I I like to spend time with people. I'm such a, like, people person, and I, like, human interaction is so important to me, and it's, it's kind of sad that I have to put that aside so that I can guarantee myself a good future, which I, you can't guarantee that, but you can, you know, you can try your hardest and hope for the best. Thank you to Shreya and Julia of the It, Ego, and Us podcast for taking the time to share their unique perspective and expertise on the state of youth mental health in our society. Most importantly, though, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to this brand new show, Dark Days, Bright Nights, and helping me shed some light on a mental illness topic such as the mental health of our youth. If there's something that resonated with you today, and I sure hope there is, or if you just want to say hi, leave me a message and let me know what's up. You can find a link to my inbox in the show notes. While you're at it, give this episode a review so that others can see how important topics like these are to discuss. Lastly, take a moment to sign up for my brand new newsletter over on the website at darkdaysbrightnights.org, where you'll get free mental health advice directly to your inbox. Take care of yourself out there and be sure to check in with your friends and family, all of them. Namaste.